Hello, everybody. This is Noah, and welcome to Change Talk, a podcast where I have conversations with people who are thinking about change and are open to talking about it. This week's guest is Cameron Rogers. Cameron is a content creator in the health and wellness space and is the voice behind Freckled Foodie, where she is determined to make healthy living approachable. Since leaving her job on Wall Street following a life-altering moment, she's worked with notable companies on creating content, dozens of individuals to achieve a more healthy and balanced lifestyle, and has developed her personality as a podcast host on Freckled Foodie and Friends podcast. She was named one of the five entrepreneurs changing New York's wellness scene by Forbes. Cameron came on to Change Talk to discuss the ways negative messages affect her and to come up with ways to diffuse from and deal with them. Thanks for listening, enjoy, and may Cameron's Change Talk, in some small way, inspire your own. Please note that this podcast is not therapy. Seek professional help if needed. We are quasi live again for another episode of Change Talk. Uh, you heard her laugh. Um, we are meeting with Cameron Rogers. So welcome, Cameron, Hello. to the podcast. Hello. Hi. Hi. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> Why don't you just start off, Cameron, and tell us a little bit about who you are and how you spend your time uh, in this world. Definitely. So as you mentioned, I'm Cameron Rogers. I am a content creator in the health and wellness space. I like to say I'm the voice behind Freckled Foodie, where my mission is to make healthy living approachable and reassure everyone that no matter the emotion they are feeling, they are not alone. And I've been doing this full-time now for a little over two and a half years. And before that, I was in a totally different career where I was working in sales and trading at JP Morgan, selling municipal bonds to institutional buyers. So very, very different. Um, I was there for five years. I am originally from New Jersey. I went to college in Pennsylvania. And after college, I recently married my high school sweetheart. Cool. And my, yeah, uh, my days are spent talking to my phone a lot, which is weird, but, you know, connecting with my community through Instagram. Um, I do run my own podcast called Freckled Foodie and Friends. So that is a majority of my work as well. And then my downtime, I really enjoy spending time with friends and family when it's accessible and we're not in quarantine times like right now, but yeah. spending as much time as possible in nature and off of technology and especially with our puppy, Charlie. And honestly, recently reading has been a big thing for me. Yeah. So that's how I spend my day. Cool. Well, you just shared a lot of stuff and you've made transitions in your life. And I want to ask you about your transition from JP Morgan to Freckled Foodie, if you will. What was sort of the last few months of your life at JP Morgan like that led you to want to move to something else? What were you experiencing? So I had a pretty life-altering moment that led to this change. Leading up to this moment, which I'll get into, I 
you know, in the beginning of my years at JP, I loved it. It was very fit for my type of personality. I think I was an athlete my entire life, all through college. What did you play? I think athletes. I played lacrosse in college oh, and cool. then high school. I played soccer and lacrosse my entire life, but just lacrosse in college. Um, but you know, sales and trading is really catered to athletes. It's fast paced. It's team oriented. It's very competitive. You have to make quick decisions. And I thrived in the environment and it's very, I have high performing anxiety and it helped me succeed in that circumstance. And although I loved it in the beginning, I started, you know, through, I was having GI issues and I started cooking and then I was posting about what I was cooking and I started this account on a whim thinking nothing of it. The more I started experimenting in the kitchen and looking at recipes and learning about the wellness industry, the more I became interested. And the more I noticed during the downtime on the trading floor, I was researching other food blogs or articles about new wellness trends instead of what was happening in the market. And so that was my first realization. But I had a lot wrapped up in the ego of my job where I loved telling people that I worked at JP. I loved their reaction. Like it just really, I'm big on affirmation and I, you know, I care, I guess, a lot about what people think of me. And also the golden handcuffs, it pays really well. And I couldn't fathom the idea of leaving that money for God knows what I was going to even do to make money with Instagram. So I had kind of, I had wanted to leave to do this because I was starting to realize that every day was a little mundane and I didn't want the person who was sitting next to me. I didn't want their job in 10 years and I didn't see myself there for the rest of my career. And it was really affecting my anxiety and I was having a really hard time just getting to the office every day because of that. And with all that said, I had kind of come to the conclusion. I have a great career here. I'd be crazy to walk away from it. I'm just going to keep doing this. Freckle Foodie, Instagram will be something I do on the side. And, you know, that's great. And then I actually, one night in March, I was going to a yoga class in Brooklyn and it was a really bad snowstorm. And I was a block away from the studio and I got hit by a car while I was crossing Mm. the street. And I suffered from a pretty bad concussion. And unfortunately, it was like my sixth one and it rocked me. And I was on disability for two months. And during disability, I mean, with a concussion, you can't do anything. Um, So I couldn't read. I couldn't watch TV, text, go on my computer, go on Instagram. And that's when I learned and practiced my, and really got into my meditation practice. And I started journaling and I talked with a bunch of people and it was just a really reflective time for me. And I realized there's something I'm passionate about. I have the privilege to be able to leave this job and take a chance on myself. This is the best time to do something. I'm only responsible for myself right now. I have no one else to take care of. And the corporate world isn't going anywhere. And so that was really the catalyst that forced me to leave. I honestly am really grateful for the person who hit me because I don't know if I would have left without the accident. This, this, I mean, thank God you like you're here and alive and, yes. and, yes. and you had a, you had a concussion and obviously you've had other concussions and, and yeah. so as an athlete, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so it, t- it took some time, but during that time you started to connect more with that other world. You were already thinking about it before. Um, yeah. And then, and then sort of, so what happened? You, you, you just gave your notice and, and you. Yeah. So it's so wild to reflect back on. Um, during that two month period, I kind of started to think, okay, well, what could I do? Like, what would this look like? Because I wasn't making any money through Fuckled Foodie yet. 
and I started to assess potential business avenues and revenue streams. And that included health coaching and meal prepping for clients and kitchen audits and grocery store walkthroughs. So I just started to think about that. And then I took a look at my financials and assessed, is this feasible? How much money do I have that I can set aside to potentially invest? Or you know, how many months can I go living the way I live right now without making money? Um, and after I kind of assessed that, I talked with my, Joe and I were engaged over this year when I left. So I talked with Joe about it because, you know, obviously this was a joint decision now that we were about to be spending the rest of our lives together. And I got advice from my parents and my close friends and I decided that I was going to quit. And so my disability was, I wasn't allowed technically to go back until I had, I had chronic, chronic migraines and headaches from my concussion. And obviously my neurologist wanted me nowhere near computer screens, which my job was sitting at a computer for 12 hours a day. And I had to wait until I was headache free for two weeks, which I never really actually had. Like looking back, I definitely rushed getting back to work, which was not right at all, but I felt a lot of pressure and concussions are really tough because it's not like I broke my arm, I'll be in a cast for four or five weeks or whatever it is, and then I'll be fine. You know, there's no end date, no one knows, and it's so day by day. And I think my job at the end was having a hard time with that. And so I was just like, you know what, I'm just going to go back. And if I'm going to quit anyway, I'd rather just go back and do this. So I went in and I was there for a week and it was a really hard week just because mentally I was so fatigued from the concussion and I still had a lot of PTSD from the accident that I hadn't worked through. And when I sat down with my boss, I will never forget. I had prepared this entire speech. I'd written it out 10 times. I'd worked (laughs) through it. Like I was ready to go. And I sat down and I was like, Steven, I want to talk to you about something. And it's not you. It's not the team. (laughs) And he immediately was like, where are you going? Goldman Sachs. And I was so thrown off guard um, because I was like, what? No. Huh? And then I was like, I'm I'm going to do this thing. And my speech went out the door. I started crying. Like it was a mess. And he was so confused. You know, part of me, I don't blame him. He's an older man. Like, what do you mean you're leaving JP Morgan to go do Instagram? Like, um, however, I don't think it was handled the best way on either front. I don't think that my boss thought that I handled it the best way, Right, right. but you know, whatever I gave my notice and I thought you were going to say, like you said, you know, I know you're, I know you're, you're moving on or like, I know you like my blessing to you kind of thing. I thought that that's what I thought was that that was going to come out of that. Yeah. You know, I really thought that it was going to go so many different ways than it did, but it didn't. And I can't control that. And I then like very, very not normal industry standards, usually sales and trading. If you are leaving, you're walked out of that office and off the floor at that moment, because typically you're going to a competitor, but even if you're not, you work like a day or so. And I actually was told I had to work two weeks and I was like, okay. So that was another weird two weeks, but you know, eventually my, my team really supported me and they were really happy for me and proud of me. And I think they all, you know, for years, all I did was talk to them about food every day. What are you doing for lunch? What's everyone getting? Where'd you guys go for dinner last night? What's your favorite restaurant that in your neighborhood? What are you cooking? Like I was the person that was constantly asking about what everyone was eating and what they were doing and what type of workouts they liked. So they all knew that that's where my passion lied and they're still incredibly supportive of me. They message me all the time, but yeah, 
April 27th was my last day. April 27th when? 2018. 2018. Okay. So it's been a couple of years now. And first of all, like, why do you care about food? Tell me, tell me what this, this food passion of yours is. What's so, why do you care? I've always loved food so much. I have just always loved food. And I think it comes from as a child, like it just makes me so happy. I love big family and we weren't even a family meal type of like childhood where we didn't have, you know, family dinner every night at six o'clock. I'm one of three girls and we all were playing sports and we all had different practices and club teams and high school sports. And my dad worked very long hours in New York city and we all lived, we lived in New Jersey, so he wouldn't get home till late. So we were like eating pasta out of a Tupperware on our way to practice most nights. However, when it was holiday time or the weekends, like I just love a big, meal and how happy everyone gets around food. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it was just always something that really excited me, like always my entire life. Well, it just connected and, you less to that rush. Like it's almost like your competitiveness, yeah. you aligned with the work that you did at yeah. JP Morgan. And so that's fast paced and not a lot of time to smell the roses or to taste the delicacies. Very fast paced competitive. Yeah. And then, and then that was like what it was like in the family and what it was like in being an athlete. Mm-hmm. And then you had this other part of you that connected you to like more of sort of slowing down, enjoying being with your family in a more intimate way, things like that. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just always been something I've loved. I'm always looking at restaurant menus. I'm always like, I love asking people about what they're eating, what their favorite foods are. It's, I don't know. It's a way I connect with people, I think. Yeah. And get to know them in a way. Right. And, and again, there's a huge cultural piece to that that you get to learn about, about totally. different types of foods. So, so food just yeah. makes you feel happy inside, makes you, uh, obviously, in some way, it also represents health for you. Uh, obviously, you, you mm-hmm. care about the type of things that you put in your, in your body. And w- what about the freckled piece? Uh, is that <laughs> well, you have freckles and-, and- I'm covered. I, Zoom actually kind of like airbrushes me, yeah. I've noticed. I can't tell. Um, no. Yeah, if you see some of my photos, oh my, I'm absolutely covered. My face is covered. My whole body is covered. Mine is my stomach, which is so wow. odd to me. Um, but I just was, I've been freckled since I was a little kid. My mom and her father are freckled. My, a lot of my family has freckles, but I'm definitely the most. And it was something as a kid, some people would make fun of, especially yeah. when I was, I don't know if I'm like, I guess teenage years, young kids would be so confused. Like what, what's on her face, mom? Like, what are those things? Do you have chicken pox? Um, <laughs> and then there was like Lindsay Lohan, a parent trap and everyone, oh, yeah. I could not meet someone without them telling me I looked just like Lindsay Lohan. Yeah, you kind of do. Years of my life. It was all I heard. I used to get stopped at the street when we would visit New York. I had been stopped on the streets multiple times and people asked my autograph and I started signing my name and my mom's like, they don't want your autograph. They think you're Lindsay Lohan. Um, but so she made freckles she cool was, kind of. Yeah. Until she then was like, oh, I'm no. going to get them lasered. Oh, and she did get hers. That lasered. must've been really hard for the then freckled I felt community. A little insecure. Yeah. I did feel a little insecure at that time. Um, but I, I don't know. I just, I love them. And I, I think I like my sister came up with the name actually freckled foodie, but I just leaned into it. And I do think it's something that sets me apart. And it's so interesting now because I was never really insecure about them, but the more I post, I don't use any filters on my platform and 
when I share stuff, you know, you can see them on my stories. I'm covered and obviously the handle. And I get a lot of messages being like, you make me feel confident about my freckles. Like I've always been insecure. I'm like, people, what? They make us so unique. Yeah. And they're big, trendy right now. People are doing freckled makeup on themselves. Oh my gosh. Tattoos. Like, yeah. I'm like, lean in. Yeah. Well, that, well that's, a, but when you put those two together, it's, it's the food dimension and the freckle dimension, which is full embrace of sort of who you are in an authentic way. It seems like it's very on brand mm-hmm. for you. So, yes. so that's, that's freckled foodie as, as it is. Yeah. And you just unpacked it all. Yeah. And what's the most meaningful part of the work that you do? Yeah, the community that I've created. I call our community the Freckle Foodie family. And the messages I receive that either I've made someone feel less alone or I've inspired them to do something, or, you know, I've things like you've inspired me to find a therapist. I'm big on supporting, you know, I'm a big advocate for mental health awareness and taking not control, but really like making sure that we're spending time taking care of our mental health. Prioritizing it. Messages. Yeah. Thank you for that term. Um, Messages I get like that, or just, you know, the, my favorite type of message, which I get a lot is you probably think this is so weird, but I feel like you're my best friend. And I'm like, no, I love that because that's how I want you to feel. That's the community I'm trying to create here. I want us all to be comfortable and open and honest and real and share with one another and welcome people and, I think that that the community I've cultivated is probably my favorite thing and the best takeaway from anything I've done. So it's really not just about the, obviously you get good positive recognition and feedback in terms of people like what your, your stuff. I think you were on the today show or that was the highlight of my life. Yeah. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, But the, but then it's really the, the, not the validation about sort of who you are as like a quasi having that recognition fame on the fame level. Mm -hmm. It's really about the impact. It's the impact level. Yeah. I feel really uncomfortable by any type of fame aspect of it. Yeah. Um, like I, that I have no interest in, which is ironic because as a kid, all I wanted to do was be famous. Yeah. And I have no interest in that. And I actually have said many times, like I don't want my community to, Put you on a pedestal a certain or number or behind. No, but like oh. I even with followers, like I, w- I want to cap it at a certain amount because once you reach a certain number, you can't engage with these people. Like I respond to every single DM and comment and oh I realize at a certain level, I wouldn't be able to do that. But how do you do that? Good. Like that's... So I go back and forth and my husband watches me in the morning. I'll respond to some DMs and he's just like, the things you these people say, it's just wild. And these, you know, a lot of my DMs are in-depth, deep conversations because if I talk about something I'm struggling with, a lot of people will share what they're struggling with. And I personally feel if I am in a place where I'm able to make money off of an account where brands are paying me to talk about their product, the people that are making that possible are these people messaging me. And so I do feel that I owe them that That's much true. to at least respond. And right. if, if it weren't for them, I wouldn't be able to make any money off of this. And obviously not, not everything's about money, but, no, but if it weren't for them, I'd still be at JP Morgan because I wouldn't be able to be doing this full time. I wouldn't be able to sustain this lifestyle. Right. And I think I feel a very deep sense of connection, but also 
like I owe them responsibility. If they're, yeah. Well, there's the exchange. I mean, the, we can get into all of the Instagram and, and followers and users and ad space and all this stuff. It's very interesting. Um, mm-hmm. It's a big topic in the world. Um, there's a whole yeah. um, movement out about how to do this ethically and, and things like that. But it's really mm-hmm. interesting is like you, and it's so beautiful the way you're articulating it, which is, which is, okay, yes, their attention on my platform is what makes me money because that's why there's people paying me to put their products on there. But first right. of all, I'm choosing to work with these people. I like what they're bringing into the world, these companies, whatever it is that mm-hmm. they're, whatever it is, the food or, 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 or related stuff. And then it's part, part of the work is, is being the kind of person where people feel like you're their best friend. Um, yeah. and, and therefore it doesn't mean you're going to have meetings with all these people for an hour a day. There's just not possible, but little things right. like that, little gestures that say, I'm both communicating with you through my platform and I'm taking 10 seconds to write you something, uh, every once in a yeah. while here. And also I do think that it, it does, in my opinion, it has helped set myself apart because my community is incredibly engaged because I think that I give back to them. And I, obviously there are other people that do this. I know Sari does as well, but I think it shows up then on the back end as well. And that helps even further when you're talking about brand relationships. So yeah. it's kind of like, well, why wouldn't I engage with these people? Very, it's very interesting. Um, so I, I hope it continues to be a source of inspiration for people, whether it's they're trying to have a better and healthier relationship with food, whether it's just that they're going to learn more about how to make it their own, how to start to get cooking into mm-hmm. their life in a simple way, and just making partnerships with brands that you value and connecting with people like my sister and others who are trying in some, in some way to do good stuff. So thank you so much uh, for sharing some of that, Freckled Foodie. Of course. And let's get into your change talk. Um, yeah. Here's the floor. Go for it. So kind of what we were just talking about um, when it comes to messages and feedback, I put my basically entire life on this platform. I have no boundaries. I have no filter. I have, this has always been how I've been. I'm an oversharer. And I personally like that about myself. I don't want to change that. I think I show up in a very honest and authentic and vulnerable way. And I think by doing that, I make people feel comfortable also sharing what's going on in their lives. And it just feels like a safe space, I guess you could call it. Um, But I think by sharing so much and putting myself out there and just the way the internet works nowadays, (laughs) I am susceptible to some not so great stuff. And similar to what we were saying, you know, I get hundreds of messages a day and most days a hundred percent are positive. And there are every once in a while a message that comes in that is not positive and is hurtful. And I have a hard time letting go of that because I'm a people pleaser and I was definitely a fighter growing up. Like I was not the nicest person. I think I spoke my mind. I didn't hold back. You know, I was called some mean words throughout, you know, a lot of people would associate some mean words with me probably if they knew me when I was younger. Um, So my initial reaction is I want to fight this person. Like, oh, you're going to come at me? Like, let's go. I have a lot to say. I realize that is not going to help anyone. So I've let go of that initial reaction for the most part. Every once in a while it slips back in. And I'm proud of myself for that. 
But what frustrates me is that even though I can recognize this person has their own stuff that they're going through and it's, they're reflecting it onto me and, you know, hurt people, hurt people. And as much as I realize that that one opinion shouldn't shape my day, I get frustrated by the third reaction of mine that is, why doesn't this person like me? And, yeah. and like, why? I don't understand. Why do they feel that way? Why don't they like me? Why are they saying these things? And I just can't let go of that thought. And that frustrates me. Yeah. I mean, this, these things that we play out on social media are very interesting because they represent very, very basic forms of the way we've always communicated, which was in groups and wanting mm -hmm. to feel like we belong. So none of this is new, even though we're seeing new manifestations of this in the social media world. None of this is new. And you're experiencing all these beautiful messages that are life-affirming both for the work that you're doing and for how it's impacting other people. And then there's just people, because there's lots of people communicating with you, people that are telling yeah. you something completely different. Do you want to give us an example of just something that somebody said that oh, just yeah. really ate you up? Um, one that recently really bothered me because I just felt she totally overstepped and it was un called for. Um, and it was also just so confusing because it was like three different opinions all in one. Um, it was, you know, you talk about how anxious you are and I struggle with anxiety, but all you do is try to combat it and manage it. And it's overwhelming to watch. You're doing too many things. You need to just like relax. You need to stop trying to have these like perfect mornings of meditating and journaling. And also, you know, you going off your medication is just further proof that you're refusing to accept you have anxiety. Like, you should stay on your meds. And then the next message was in response to a story where I had said, like, I apologize if someone was triggered by something I said in terms of something else. And it was like, oh my gosh, you can't please everyone. Like you need to stop trying to please everyone. Like just let these people's opinions go. And then it was, by the way, you say the F word too much. It seems like you're trying so hard like chill with the cursing. And I was just like, what? Like, I don't understand in my mind why a person would A, have so many strong feelings about someone that they don't know, put them out there in the universe. Like, it just is so confusing to me because I can't fathom being on the other side of sending a message like that. But I think what frustrated me the most, and I talk about this with my therapist a lot, is if someone was like, oh my God, you have so many freckles. Like, ew. I'd be like, okay, I don't care. I love my freckles. But when it's something I'm vulnerable about, such as my anxiety, and I work so hard in therapy and I talk about it on my platform all the time that I'm trying not to perfect my, th my anxiety. I just try to cope with it and I manage it and I try to do things that work for me. And, you know, if she had cared to ask, I was going off my antidepressant because I was going to try to start having a family. So like, <laughs> who is she to tell me that I should be on a medication when both of my doctors are telling me to go off of it? Um, so that really bothered me. And then the like- And then the meta piece is the people you. pleasing, right? The yeah. I'm like, but you're telling me that I'm, huh? But also, fuck. Oh, sorry. But like, also, <laughs> I don't want to people please. Like, I don't want to do that. So then it bothered me that she hit me there. And then I curse like a sailor and I can't control it. And so then that was just like, you know what, lady, I'm done. So instead of going off on her, I was really proud of myself. I took an hour or two and I responded and I said, thank you for all of your opinions. I'm going to let this message slide and take your advice and realize that I cannot please everyone, yourself included. Have a wonderful day. 
<laughs> and then she that was like, a bit of a drop the mic. That's a bit of a drop the mic. That was clever. Right. And also I thought it was the nicest way I could have ever responded if we're being honest. Yeah. And she goes, Oh my God, you don't have to be so angry and like immature. And, and then she goes, do you think that that combative reaction is, um, appropriate i can't imagine it worked for you in the corporate world especially on a trading floor like i'm gonna chalk it up to being young and immature and i was like whoa. i'm not even responding whoa so so there's just so, so much like going that. on but that's a that's it's just, yeah that's you the can't most recent do anything one. That's right I can remember all of that right but right. you can't and do anything that's right what bothers me yeah that's what bothers me the most and that's the bottom line and that's what i'm trying to really remember is that I cannot please everyone. I cannot do everything right, you know? No. And, you know, no one can. I just, I just have a hard time with letting go. Cause like you can see, even when I just retold you this story, it still triggers me and like riles me up a bit. Yeah. Because, well, I want to, first of all, just acknowledge that. And I was reading this, the documentary yesterday that I was watching and just, it's so difficult for us to not be affected by that. I mean, our whole worlds before we were so connected online, our social approval world was very, very, very small. And for the most part, it was mm -hmm. pretty safe. I mean, we may have been connected to immediate family and cousins and a few friends. And I'm talking in deep human history, not a lot of yeah. people that we have to approve. And it was really dangerous if you were not approved because, you know, what would that be like if your whole world was 10, 15, 20 people and you weren't approved? So where do you go? Right. So it's very deep, this, this desire and need for approval. And I, I'm very skeptical of people that pretend that they don't care about that. Um, obviously, mm -hmm. this, is, this is who we are as, as human beings. We need to be living as social creatures and in community. But this is new. This experiment that we're doing where our social network is so big that the approval network that we have is infinitely massive. It's so interesting when you listen yes. to people like even, you know, big podcasters. I think Joe Rogan's talked about it just being affected by comments. Everybody's affected by comments. I mean, it doesn't matter how, fit, how right. big your platform is because that taps into this desire to fit in and to lose your connection with the social wor world is dangerous to our, to our experience, our, our, the way our emotions are wired. So this is all totally normal. And we're just playing it out yeah. on a completely different stage of the world that we've never been able to, never done in the past. This is, you are connected to more people than most human beings were ever in human history. I mean, like it's-, it's Right, and like I think about that sometimes. Right. I'm like, wow, I have what, like 45,000 followers? Like that is insane. It to is think insane. About that, that Yeah, and like to even imagine a world where I please all of those, that's not feasible. I just, I think one of the reasons I have a hard time with this is the empathetic aspect of it makes me so sad to think of these people that are so hurt and angry that they feel so attacked by something I do that has nothing to do with them that they feel the need to send me these messages. Right. And I think there is an aspect of that that is like, wow, this is just depressing. Like that is just sad because really nothing I do should trigger you that badly. And if it does, I'm the biggest proponent of unfollow people who trigger you. I say it all the time, like mute people, unfollow people. If that person is me for you, unfollow me. Maybe you'll come back to this community when you have whatever it is figured out that you might need to work on. Like, you know, I realize when I'm triggered by other people I follow on social media, it's internally something I'm going through. And so I remove myself from the situation. 
And, I and think that's one that's strategy early. for sure, Cameron. But, and we can get yeah. into how to deal with triggers because I, 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 and I think that that could be very healthy, especially if it's not impacting your life in a negative way, like unfollow someone who cares. But right. then if it we just become matter. afraid of everybody that's going to trigger us or make us feel uncomfortable in our I skin, agree. then it's yeah, like we're I walking agree. on eggshells and then we're weaker. Um, yeah. The whole other thing. And, and I that's think why, yeah. Line. Right. Because for me, it's like, I unfollow majority of them are honestly like fashion type influencers where I'm just like, this life is not my type of life. It just kind of right. makes me feel less than it's very like, look at me, look at me. And it just doesn't make me feel good. And I don't know if triggered is even the right word, but I'm just kind of like this. Why does this make me angry? Like I don't need to be consuming this. And, and so it's not I'm important not to me. To. It's right, not like exactly. when you get angry it's because you care about anything. a friend and they say something and right. cuz that I mean, matters. This anger is is so like circum like it just it means nothing. So why yeah. even bring it into my life? So why bother, right? Yeah. And, and so when that so part of the reason why it's so frustrating for you is cuz you feel sad for that person in some way. You don't know exactly what's going on with them, but you know gosh, why are they why are they would they be saying all these things to me if if they weren't Yeah, like, like why would it make you frustrated that angry with themselves? That I went off my medicine. Right. So I think there's part of that and then again the second part is just like that's so sad. I'm I feel badly for you. I I want to fight you, but I'm not going to, but then also okay. why don't you like me? Yeah. Like it's just that second thought of why don't you like me and I just and I don't know. I just have a really hard time with it. Right. Why don't you like me? And then how does that sort of, how does that impact you? What, what happens? So you deal with that. Obviously you get that message or messages in a chain and mm -hmm. what comes up for you? How do you handle that after? Other than you said you go through a little bit of a thought process. One is feeling empathy for the person, wondering what's going on in their life that they're doing that. Then it's getting to like the core human need, which is like, why don't you like me? Why aren't I accept, mm -hmm. acceptable to you? So how, right. what happens? How does it linger and stick? What, what's going on after that? Um, it lasts for a bit. It makes me, I guess, second, question, second guess and question what I'm doing. And then it does make me sometimes, depending on how harsh the message is, that one didn't do it for me, but you know, some of the other ones have. Is this worth it? Why am I doing this? What is the point of putting myself out there when I get messages like this? I know I'm helping a lot of people, but at, at what point do I draw the line? And I already have kind of a weird time with the fact that this is my job because I think inherently influencers are narcissistic and self-absorbed. And I say that being one of them. Because if you think about it, like you think that your life is worthy to share and <laughs> you think people care to follow you. Like I get it. I'm one of them. I, yeah. I think that. Um, so I feel comfortable <laughs> saying that. But I do have a hard time because I do think a, a, while I, I'm trying to promote positivity and acceptance and cultivate a community, I don't think that that's the goal of every influencer. And I do have a hard time being wrapped up in a bucket with some people who I see who I don't connect with and I don't resonate with and I don't want to be put in the same bucket as them. And so then when, and also I think there's so much privilege that goes in to allow someone to be an influencer. And it's a very privileged space. If you think about it, like you have to be able to take a risk and you have to have the finances to do all these things up front before you have a following. And especially in 2020, when 
I'm very focused on privilege and what it looks like and how to use it and, you know, unpacking that whole thing. I felt uncomfortable a bit by the industry. And I think when I get messages like this, it reminds me of those emotions and it reminds me of, are you doing the right thing? Like, what is this? And what does this look like? And like, are you going to be 40 on Instagram? Like, you know, what is, what is your future? It just, it spirals me a bit. Yeah. Cause it comes up, even though maybe the direct feedback isn't really related to this meta picture. Should I be doing this? What is this? It's why don't you like me? And then yes. maybe it's, you know, should I rethink all of what I'm doing? And at 40 years old, am I going to be Absolutely. doing this? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It it just caught it all of a sudden a lot of it opens the floodgates for a lot of negative personal thoughts. How long does this last? These spirals? Um, usually like if it coming it comes and goes for probably like the rest of that day. Right. It 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 varies. Like sometimes I'll get a comment and I'm just like, oh, whatever, can't please you. I'm done. Yeah. Some comments will stick with me when they hit things that I'm already insecure or, or vulnerable about. Right. And do you always sort of resolve it in some way, meaning with either within yourself or you say something to that person back through the hope that maybe they'll actually understand? Have you ever had someone who said something and then all of a sudden you actually changed their mind? So it's interesting. My therapist and I just worked up a response that I'm just kind of using as a template. And I've come to the conclusion that while there have been a few that I've changed their mind, it's not worth the energy for me in the long run. So the template is like, I respect your opinion. Thank you for sharing your thoughts. You know, right now I'm trying to do my best. I hope you have a great day. Something along those lines. I have gotten a message. um, And I think also it should be said that like majority of this has only happened post-March because I think right now, 2020, people's levels of anxiety, fear, the unknown, everything's so high. It, I, it is, in my opinion, manifesting in anger a lot of the times. And so I do think that has a lot to do with everything going on and people's lives are so drastically different right now. Right. Um, but, you know, I have, there have been a few instances where recently I opened my DMs and I said, you know, after RBG died, AOC encouraged people to have the tough conversations with the people that they are friends with and, you know, try to help change their opinions or provide insights. And so I said on my Instagram stories, if you are someone who is voting for Trump and you are interested in having a mature and honest conversation, I am here to discuss. I would like to know more about what you see positive in him as a candidate. Mm -hmm. And I did, honestly, majority of the messages I received, I didn't receive many, but majority were positive and they were like, I would love to discuss this with you. And a few were like, after I said my points and, you know, I acknowledge their points because everyone has the right to believe what they want to believe. And that's the point of democracy. We all have one vote. Um, But they said, you know, thank you. I never thought about this. I didn't know about this. Like, I'm going to go research more. So I was really happy about that. And then I did have one moment where um, some young girl came at me in my DMs in April. And it was definitely one of those moments where it was just like, she was angry. She was a nurse. It was peak COVID season. I was talking about my anxiety and I was staying at my parents' house in Florida. And she was like, how dare you 
talk about your anxiety when you're in sunny Florida. Like, how do you think that makes people like me who are a nurse in the middle of COVID feel when I have anxiety? And I was like, I'm really sorry you're going through anxiety, but like my feelings are still valid as well. And she actually sent me a message two months later. She was like, which I applaud her for. And I think that it's really grown and mature of her. And she messaged me saying, I was the person that came, I was one of the people that came after you in April. And I stuck around, even though you encouraged me to leave your page at that point. And you've become one of my favorite people to follow. And I feel like I owe you an apology. And so that made me feel really good, honestly. Yeah. Um, but that's very rare for that to happen. Right. But it's, I find that really interesting. I, I love constructive criticism. I welcome yeah. it. What bothers me is the like unwarranted, ugly, well, character assassination. It's, criticism. It's hurtful. Yeah, exactly. It's That's not, it's not, I like you or not, I like you or not. Thanks for sharing. I appreciate what you said here. And I'm thinking that maybe you want to think about this element that you didn't think right. about. That's it's just like, that's you're great. a bad person. <laughs> yeah, you're a bad person and you're not pleasing me in every way that I want you to be. And this is my experience right. on my phone and you're in my space right now. And I don't like what totally. you're doing. So th- I always ask this and I wonder how this is going to go for you. What do you think is helpful about this for you? that you have this reaction and that you think deeply about these things and you really care and want to be liked and therefore you go through these spirals. Why do you think that that is a positive thing in some way or does good for you in some way in your life? I think it's helped me mature recently. I would say over the past four years, I've done a lot of self-work and the desire to be liked by people is maybe a newer one, but I do think that it's helped me do that work and change behaviors and not just, you know, if I didn't care, I would go after all these people. I would just be like, screw you. Like, I, oh my God, I could let it go. Yeah. And I'd be great at it. But I think that it, it stops me from going ugly, if that makes sense. Right. So it, Interesting. So basically it's kind of a, in some way it's a middle ground for you because it's not, I'm so Zen and I don't care what other people think. And at the same time, it's not, I'm going to be, I'm going to seek revenge on you for all that you've done to me. So it, when you experience it, it's a reminder that you've come so far in, in some way from this, like being more, maybe more aggressive and intense and and a fighter. That's, that's one area. Anything else kind of that, that comes to mind for you? Why this is a good thing for you? that you care so much about how people think about you? Yeah, I think it does have something to do with compassion. And I would like to think that I'm a compassionate person. I also think my dad said this in his wedding, his speech at our wedding is that he was like, Cammy feels emotions hard. When she's happy, she's really happy. When she's angry, she's really angry. When she's sad, she's sad. And he's right. I feel things very intensely. And I think isn't great all the time when it's negative, but I also think that I like the positive side of it enough or more to, to keep that attribute. Yeah. The, the attribute of being fully alive in your emotions and not running away yeah. from them. And so when you experience that, it's, it's, re- it's reminding you, wait, I actually care. I have, uh, I'm tapped into what is maybe bothering me. I'm tapped into, to, um, my need for approval and my love for community and my connection. It's like a, it's a reminder that I'm, I'm tapped in. And, and again, it's important to see that because for yourself, that thought of, I want these people to like me means I want to do good. You know, I want to, like, I want right, to help that's people. True. That's a happy, like a, a meaningful thought or the compassion p- piece of reminding yourself that people 
have other things going on in their life and that it's not just about you when they say that. That's also something that's like pretty mature and like healthy to experience. It's taking me time to get there, but yes. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So in what ways do you want to really change it? Why why do you want to be better at not internalizing it on such a deep level like you do for so many other things in your life? I think because I can be a very critical person and it does spark some self-critical talk because I'm like, oh, if they're thinking this, then why aren't I thinking that? And, you know, it, it almost goes down a hole or like a spiral of that. Of self, of complete like self-worth and reevaluating all of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and that frustrates me. And I don't like that. Yeah. I mean, because you're spending, investing so much of your life and world into what you're doing and to then have random mm-hmm. people whose, re, whose ex, your reaction to their responses to you makes you second guess your whole world. Um, right every time that's very exhausting yes it's exhausting that's the best word for it yeah so it's exhausting and it's it, it, there's a there's a level of frustration in it um what else like what would be better if you if you didn't have those reactions if you were sort of able to and if you did because you can't really control the initial reaction but if you were able to yeah. sort of handle it better what else what else would how else would it help you I think I would wish that I could acknowledge, you know, what we kind of talked about where I acknowledge that there's compassion for this person. They're going through something and that I'm glad that I want to please people because inherently I want to create a, a happy and great world and a safe place. But I would like to kind of end it with that and acknowledge like, okay, that's their thoughts. They're not mine. That doesn't have to control my future thoughts. I think right. that's the goal. Right. The future sort of ruminations. Yes. So, so the idea would be to, to be the empathetic person that you are to, you know, people are going to say things and not only compassion for them and for how they are sharing with you and what that might mean about what they're going through. But also, I think you alluded to it that within what they're saying, there might be things that are true. Like, like just because right. they say it in an, like a really either aggressive patronizing, condescending, rude way, maybe there is something positive that they're trying to help you get at. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I so, agree. yeah. I was just going to say a lot of times when I reflect back after I've let it, like the initial sting has left. So whether it's like days or weeks or whatever, if I reflect back, I'm like, they do have a point. It's just the delivery is always horrendous. Yeah. So you, you are able to, once you're sort of diffused from the being spiraled there, then you can pull back and actually evaluate some of the things that they said. Yeah, I, I think so. So it's really, all that it really is that you want to maybe do a little bit differently is the second tier reaction or the third tier reaction, which then leads you to the, almost like this existential question about, your life. That's sort of yes. where you want to avoid going down. <laughs> Absolutely. Right. Have you been able to do that at all? Has anything worked for you in the past to be able to process that in a different way? Um, I mean, like we said, if the comments are so outlandish, then it doesn't bother me. And so whatever, it, it doesn't hit that point. Yeah. Um, 
But I think what would help is if I take the anger out of the message and assess what the true feeling and point is and why is this bothering me so much? And, you know, kind of like I said in the beginning, if a message doesn't hit something I'm vulnerable about, I don't care. And assess what I'm vulnerable about, why that is triggering to me, what they're potentially trying to say in a more constructive way and like reframe. Maybe I should like rewrite almost a nicer way of what they're trying to say and then take that as the message. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily send that to them. Um, No, I wouldn't send it to them almost for myself. Yeah. Like if we take what that message was that I said earlier and it's, I struggle with anxiety too. It's really hard. I oftentimes feel really overwhelmed by trying to do so much to manage it. It seems like you might feel that way too. What are your tips for this? How do you find ways to not try to perfect your anxiety? And also, why do you, like, you know, you shouldn't have to feel like you have to please everyone, you know? It's not your job to make everyone happy. Like, if that was the message, I would have taken it with open arms and had a great conversation with that person. I do think that's inherently what they were trying to say. Right. So maybe I almost like rewrite it for my own sake and move forward as if that's the message I received. And that teaches you the humility to, to again, acknowledge that they might have a point. So you'll, you'll get the right. benefit of that. And then you'll sort of rewrite it in a way that's completely different than what it was but it includes all the relevant stuff that, that it contains. So yeah. I wonder like if you need to, if you really need to say something to these people. I know a lot of times I don't think I do. But do you mostly respond to them? I mostly respond kind of what I said, like, yeah. you know, you're entitled to your opinion. I'm doing my best. Right. Thanks and what for do your you th- insight. Yeah. And when you do that, what do you, Oh, it makes them so angry. Right. They want me to attack. People don't send messages like that looking for love or compassion right. or acceptance. They were looking for a battle. They want right. to pick a fight. They're caught off guard and then they're like, what, what, huh, huh, what? I, I think they're looking for a fist fight. And when you come at them with a hug, they're so confused that they get more angry. Yeah. And you're also not really looking for a hug. So like, like, yeah. Right. So like, it just kind of, what is the point, I guess, of the message? Is it that hope that maybe they'll all of a sudden say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I did that. Now I'm, you know, on your side and I really like you. I don't know. I think sometimes I do a little bit more of like a longer, that's like, you know, I didn't with this woman because there was just too many points. Well, I did. I said like, I'm going to take your point and let this slide and realize that I can't please everyone. (laughs) Um, But like, some messages I will say, you know, I'm trying my best in X, Y, Z. I think maybe it's just, I don't know. I feel a weird obligation to respond to everyone. Um, right. Which I'm working on. But I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, that's why I'm wondering. Because my, in my head, it's like, why, why respond to all of them? What, what does that really do? But I wonder what it would be like to... Again, we just talked about the reframing thing, taking it up, taking 10, 15 seconds and just saying the positive spin on what they said, but then like really evaluating whether you need to respond. 
And I know you have that reputation of like, I need to respond because mm. you said it yourself. You don't even want your fan base to grow that much because you don't want to respond yeah. to every DM possible, um, good and bad. And that, uh, mm. that's, that's a lot of responsibility. Um, and listen, there are a few people who I will not respond to um, who just will never agree with what I'm doing. And I don't know why they continue to message me. I don't know why they continue to follow me. I don't know why they continue to consume my content. But at the end of the day, I've come to the conclusion I'm done here. Like, uh, you know, I don't have to engage in this conversation. I think when it's the first time offense, one-off, angry message, I feel a lot of people send those types of things or they're hurt or people just want to be heard and they want yeah. their voices. They want the ability to speak up. And so I think by sending that it's, I'm doing it in a way of like, okay, I see you, I acknowledge you, but right. I'm not going to fight with you. Right. So we've sort of mapped out that this, that you have strong responses to people that are messaging you about some of the things that you're doing for the most part, it reminds you about levels of empathy that you have for people. You do care. You are wondering what's going on. And that's sort of that instinct to respond is part of that. And you also want to be liked and want to be supported. And mm -hmm. that's very natural. And at the same time, you don't every single time then want to go into a spiral of, I need to right. rethink everything because of this. So there's that fine line that you're, you're trying to do. And we sort of talked about, okay, maybe you're going to reframe a little bit. Um, and that would be interesting and cool but i wonder if mm -hmm. just as we wrap this this up how you would want to disengage a little bit from the story that comes after that makes you go into this the existential questions i think just feeling more confident in what i'm doing and the like reassuring myself that i'm on the right path and i have a lot of anxiety over the future and the fear of the unknown and i always have and there's a lot of that in this career and so i think just like removing myself from that and accepting that I'm not going to have all the answers and I'm not going to know everything right now. And that's okay. And it will work out. It's just going to have to play itself out. Right. And that's the sort of longer version. And that could be really helpful. And then if there's like, I find sometimes humor, if it's okay, if I sort of chime in a little bit, yeah. I find humor. Um, oh, this, like, oh, this person just uh. gave me this, this insult of some kind. Now I should rethink my entire life right now this is the reason <laughs> i mean yeah that's basically story. what it is which is insane right like uh, is there a way the to spiral of my future yeah oh yeah this person i've never met this person but they've caused me to reconsider the entirety of my future uh right there's pursuit. such humor in that it's ridiculous yeah. it's absolutely ridiculous yeah so if, if there's just a way for you to tap into that humor that could also be um i think that would be, be helpful, helpful. So you've got a few things, um, and I hope that, that uh, you're able to take the positives that come with being such a caring person and caring so much about how people are impacting you and being the kind of person that's open to feedback. Um, so when this is all said and done, you've talked about a lot of different things. What do you think you're actually going to do? I think I'm going to, I actually like the idea that I had never thought of before of like rewriting a message and yeah. being like, that's what that meant. And that's what I'm going to take from this. And then I also think looking at the hilarity of it all of like, oh, this one person who's messaging me from a dog account or a troll account is going to make me reconsider my future. 
Like, yeah. That is so <laughs> twisted. Yeah. It'd be one thing if I was getting hundreds of messages every day being like, hey, you're doing this the wrong way. And it was all about the same thing. I think right. there's obviously attention that then should be given to that. Right. But when it's such one-offs, yeah. I, it does not deserve that weight. Totally. And, and the reason why humor works is because it takes you out of the story. We're very like fused into it like this. And then totally. humor sort of lifts us up. So it's just like, oh, the existential, everything is going to come up now. I need to rethink my whole life. Um, then yeah. when you, because you're taking it to its, the end and it's like not a surprise anymore. And then it's can, even a little bit of humor just takes you out of it a, a tiny bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and no, I agree. Help. So sounds like what you're going to do for sure, though, is start to, you know, maybe on a note on your phone, just rewrite the yeah, note, extract the nuggets to. that are valuable from it and then letting it go. Um, yep. Cool. So just wrapping up the last thing is always, I always ask is just if you were to sort of sum up the entire change talk into an image or a phrase, what is the image or the phrase that, uh, that sums it up for you? I don't know if this is correct, but it just came to mind first. Acceptance. I accept what you're saying. I accept that some of it might be true. I accept that some of it is not true. And I accept that I'm still doing my best and I accept this career and I accept this future and I accept that I don't know the answers because none of us do. I accept the positive of what they've said and I accept Mm -hmm. my reaction to to what, what it is right now. So- Thank you so much for talking about this. I know that for a lot of people, and it's especially for younger people, their sense of self-worth and identity is really tied up in social media. Mm-hmm. It terrifies it me. Yeah, what it means to them. And so I really hope that this change talk can in some small way open up the conversation about self-worth online and the difficulties that people have with it. So thank you so I much, so Cameron. Too. And uh, we will... We will follow up with you soon to see yeah. if you've written any drafts and maybe you'll share with us a draft. You can like yeah, I'll read share us some. the Absolutely. message <laughs> and then read us the, the, the reframe that you have done. Definitely. Don't forget to follow us on social media to keep updated on all our content. We are at Change Talk Podcast on Instagram and Facebook and at Change Talk Pod on Twitter. Editing for this podcast is done by the lovely Atara Shields Tile. Music and theme song by Hope and Social in their album Yorkshire Electric EP with the song People Change.